Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 4. Here's Pastor Ryan. Uh, Part of uh, God's goodness will be manifested in our worship night under the stars here at the church right outside Friday night, 7 p.m. It's also Clarissa's release party, her single, We Adore Thee, right? So that's going to be cool. Wildwood, Calvary Chapel sending their worship team. They're going to play for about 45 minutes, and then our worship team is going to play about 45 minutes. Uh, I'll be by the taco stand that will be here, and uh, we'll be fellowshipping. So many of our friends are coming down for that. It's going to be a wonderful night uh, under the stars and the lights worshiping our King. Amen? So plan on being there. And uh, with that said, turn with me in your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 4. And give me an amen once you are there. For those of you who don't know, back at Hammerling years ago, if you remember, I used to play the, the congo with uh, Clarissa. And so in our early days, we were kind of a duel, kind of like the Sonny and Cher of the Calvary movement. Nah, <laughs> just kidding. But like she hit me up, like, Darren ain't here. You know, can you hit that? I go, what is it? The, the box thing? I never hit the box thing, you know, but it, uh, it's kind of weird because you, you hit in between your legs. So, but anyways, it worked out well. God was glorified. All right. So just so that you know. Okay. She's, she's risky, but not that risky. So Second Chronicles chapter 4. Father, we come before you uh, this evening. Just grateful that we can come into your house in the evening time towards the end of our day. And just by faith, Lord, knowing that your word doesn't return void and that you always have a message uh, for us, no matter who's delivering, your, your word is amazing and it speaks to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us spiritual eyes to see, that you, Holy Spirit, would guide us into the truths of you and that, Lord, um, we would be different than when we first came in. So touch our hearts tonight, Lord. Remove from us the cares of the day, the worries, the doubts, the fears, and fill our hearts with your love. Fill our hearts overflowing with your spirit and grace, and may it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, amen. Amen. All right, so uh, as you know in our story, uh, King Solomon has been building uh, the temple of the Lord uh, that his father had desired to do so, but now his son, King Solomon, is doing it, and... um, in our chapter today, it's going to be about the furnishings of the temple. And if you think about uh, furnishings, you know, in a personal sense for you and for me, and, and when people furnish their homes, it's a pretty serious thing, right? It's, especially for the wives, you know, they tend to, to look at those things with a keen eye. And, and you know, furniture will say a lot about about people, right? It'll say a lot about the personalities of those who live in the home. It'll show you their style, their likes, and, you know, you get to know what's important to them and what kind of things make them feel at home. And so in our story, um, King Solomon has already built the temple of the Lord and um, is now going to put the furnishings inside of it. And so the furnishings, like the temple of the Lord, they're all by design, 
uh, from the Lord. The Lord had given to King David, to Solomon, his blueprint. So like furnishing, that means a lot to us. It means a lot to the Lord. The furniture that goes in to his temple, it says a lot about who he is. It says a lot about heaven. And it also speaks to the work that Jesus Christ did uh, on the cross for the sins of mankind. And so uh, it symbolizes so many wonderful things about our God. It's not just furniture. And so the temple, as we know, is about honoring God. It's about bringing sacrifices and prayers to him in order to deal with the sins of the people. It's all a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. It really is. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 17, it says that these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. You have in the building of the temple, he laid down the foundation, as you know, and you had the outer court where the sacrifices were made, and then you had uh, the sanctuary or uh, the holy place where the priest would go in every day uh, to do the service of the Lord. The outer court was just a real busy place. It's a place where the people would come and bring their their sacrifices. And um, you had the porch there, the beautiful porch that we talked about with the two pillars. And um, that was beautiful, all, uh, you know, um, covered in pure gold, just very beautiful. Um, You had, again, the holy place or the sanctuary where the priests would go in. And then the third compartment of the temple was the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest was allowed to go only once a year on the Day of Atonement. He would be able to go in there. And to get in there, you know that there was that beautiful uh, veil of the temple that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. So there was no peeking. There was no... Uh, you know, crack in the curtain. It was so thick and so heavy that it was just the place where only one man once a year uh, could go. And it was in the Holy of Holies uh, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, where the Ten Commandments were inside of that, and you had the, uh, the, the two huge golden statues, cherubim, that were from wall to wall and just massive that were there uh, before the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat was there and it's where the high priest once a year would sprinkle blood on behalf of the people, uh, the the sacrifice of an animal in order to uh, deal with the sins of the people. And so this was considered uh, the literal or the figurative but literal, I guess both, uh, throne of God on earth at the time. So it was a very serious place. And so all of that is built, but now the furnishings. In verse 1 we read, Moreover, he made a bronze altar. Twenty cubits was its length, twenty cubits its width, and ten cubits its height. And so this bronze altar, this is the main altar where people would bring their sacrifices to. It was in front of the temple and it was huge. Um, 20 by 20 cubits means that it was 30 by 30 feet in length and in width. So this was massive and 15 feet deep. That's a big barbecue, right? It's big, it's huge. And it was here where um, the priests would keep the fires constantly burning for the offerings that would be brought. So it's just You can imagine how hot the fire would be in such a huge barbecue, constantly going, or altar. Barbecue is kind of, (laughs) 
<laughs> we envision something else today. Not a barbecue, but an altar. An altar where they, you know, burn the sacrifices. And so, um, as you know, according to the law, God commanded his people to come and deal with their sins in a very, you know, to us, it's, 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 it's curious, it's, it's weird, it's, it's, but it, it's something that's been taking place for thousands of years with God's people, and it was to bring an animal sacrifice for the covering of their sins. But these sacrifices, as you remember in the law, they had to be perfect. So you had an ox brought that had to be perfect. You had a goat that was brought that had to be perfect. Uh, a lamb that was brought that had to be perfect. A dove that was brought for the poor folks, it had to be perfect. And like I said, all of this speaks to, foreshadows, what Jesus Christ would one day do and die for us. He was the Lamb of God without sin, no blemish. But this is what would take place here at the bronze altar. People would come and they would lay their hands upon the animal and the priest would sacrifice it with their hands on it as to say this is where our sins are being placed upon. And what it would do is it, was, it would allow the people to have like temporary fellowship with God. All right? It was all temporary. And it was temporary because it happened all the time throughout the year. It was temporary, we know, because every single year the high priest got to go in one time. So it was never fully dealt with. And Hebrews 10 is an awesome, or Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, let's turn there. There's a, in chapter 10, there's a beautiful um, explanation to this that, that goes with the brazen altar. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect for then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he, that's Jesus, therefore when he came into the world, he said this to the Father, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me speaking of his own body that would be sacrificed, right? He's saying, you know, you're, you're basically done with the, with the offerings of bulls and, and, um, and goats and lambs, and, but, but now I'm here to be the sacrifice, basically what he's saying. In burnt offerings and in sacrifice for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God previously saying sacrifice and offering burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law then he said behold i have come to do your will O god he takes away the first that he may establish the second see when jesus came 
and, and died on the cross for our sins, no more sacrifices had to be made anymore. He is God's sacrifice for our sins. So he takes away the first through his own body, right? That he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So the brazen altar, you know, you can look at this and people can look at this in various ways, but I think it's healthy for us and really, really good for us to, when, when we're studying the temple and its furnishings, to say, ah, there's the altar. That reminds me that I don't have to work for my salvation. That reminds me that I don't have to go through life with a guilty conscience. That Jesus Christ died once and for all to take away our sins. And we don't have to go through all that. No animal, can, animal blood can take care of our sins. Only the blood of Christ. And it's by faith in him. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins which he did when you and I committed our lives to him. We were cleansed. We were washed clean. And so we have eternal life by faith in the work that he did. And no longer do we have to bring animal sacrifices. It's all by faith now. And so the altar really for us should remind us of the cross and should remind us of our freedom, that our consciences are clean because of his blood. Amen. There's no, like some people think, oh, they just got to, you know, get saved again and get saved again and get saved again. And they're always, it's weird, but you, you, some people do that. They feel like they have to get saved every Sunday. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he died once and for all for your sins. There's no more having to do that. And if you really are sincere with your confession of Christ, you're not going to practice sin because the Bible says that he who is born of God does not practice sin. Does that make sense? But it's freedom. The brazen altar is freedom. That's what it is. And so we thank you, Jesus, for, for being la the, the Lamb of God for us and giving us clean consciences and allowing us to have access uh, to God through him. And then in verse 2 it says, Then he made the sea of cast bronze, ten cubits uh, from one brim uh, to the other. It was uh, completely round. Its height was five cubits, and a line of, of 30 cubits measured its circumference. And so, so here we have... Um, Another bronze item. We had the bronze altar. Now we have the bronze sea, bronze sea. It's hard to say that. Bronze sea. And so both made... When the bronze sea, as we just read, it's a big, pool, it's a big bath or pool, if you will, of water from where the priests would be able to wash, get water in order to wash themselves. Okay, but we'll get more into that. But the interesting thing is you have one bronze item, the altar. You have another bronze item, the sea. Bronze, uh, for those Bible students in here, you know, is the medal of judgment, right? Bronze is the, the medal of judgment. Uh, back in Numbers 21, during Moses' time, as uh, the people were rescued out of Egypt and in the wilderness, they began to complain against Moses and against God. And so you remember the story in Numbers 21 that God sent fiery serpents to bite them. And they were dying off for their um, complaining against the Lord and Moses. And, 
And so in order to save the people, the Lord told Moses to uh, make a, uh, get a pole and make a, a bronze serpent and place it on the pole. And again, the serpent, speaking of sin, bronze, the metal of judgment, it basically, it's a, it's a foreshadowing of the cross, right? And whoever looked on the bronze serpent, the, on the pole, lifted up, if they got bitten, would be healed of their bites and lifts. So whoever looked at that, and, and in the same sense for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ who took our judgment upon the cross will be saved from the curse that the serpent the old serpent of old has placed on mankind right so bronze altar bronze sea judgment being dealt with Christ it speaks of what our Lord has done for us no judgment for you no judgment for me no judgment for him good because of who because of Jesus. Amen. And so the sea or the bath. So I'm thinking like summer, right? I'm going barbecue. Now I'm saying pool. Barbecue. <laughs> the altar. Pool. The sea was huge. It was a huge pool. It carried 10,000 gallons. And it stood on 12 bronze uh, oxen. As we're about to read. It was 15 feet wide. And about seven and a half feet deep. And this is where the priests would get their water from in order to clean themselves and to purify themselves before entering the temple. And so serving the Lord for the priests, as you can imagine, all day long doing animal sacrifices. And you can imagine the, the blood and the, the filthiness that they can accumulate throughout their day. And so they couldn't just walk into the temple that way. So they would... Uh, you know, get water from this huge tank of water. And we don't know how the water, how they pulled it out. We don't know if there was a, a, a some sort of, uh, I don't know, um, faucet or something where they would pull it out. We, it's all speculative. But anyways, they would get the water and they would wash themselves clean. And um, we know that in the Bible, water is a symbol for the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's also a symbol for the Word of God. Water is a symbol of the, whole, of the work of the Holy Spirit and also for the Word of God. Jesus, in John chapter 7, verse 37, he said on that, it says, on that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. And so the Spirit, the work of the Spirit in one's life is referred to as water. And he said that, uh, uh, that it would be given to those who would believe in him, that they would receive and the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's like rushing, living waters, torrents coming out of us, right? So water. And it also speaks of uh, it being the word of God. In John chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus said, remember, he said, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So the word of God, 
the water speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. In Ephesians um, 5, 26, for those who are married or want to get married or you just read your Bibles, you know that husbands are exhorted to uh, wash their wives' mind with the Word of God. In Ephesians 5, 26, it says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. So the Word of God Water is a symbol for the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 119, uh, verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And then turn with me to John 13. And we'll begin in verse 3. Are you there? This is right before uh, uh, the Lord went to the cross. But Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself after that. Uh, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing uh, my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet, because he was insulted, because that's what servants did. And so that's what slaves did. And Jesus humbled himself to wash their feet. And so that's why Peter responded, you shall never wash my feet, right? And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And that's the warning to Peter. If, if you do not allow the Lord to wash your feet, you'll have no part with him. Keep that in your in your heart. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And so the idea of him not having any part with the Lord, he says, well, not just my feet, just, you know, bathe all of them, you know, which is kind of like, you know, okay, hey, Lord, wash all of me, you know, get more water, wash more of me. It's just the idea. And um, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean, right? He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. And so he who is, is bathed, it's almost, you know, they, they, in his eyes, they were right. They were clean because of the scripture that I shared with you prior where he said, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken. They have accepted his word, so they are made clean. But it's nighttime, it's dinner time, it's a long day. You know, we, I, I love wearing sandals, and the longer the day, the longer I'm up, the earlier I'm up, and the longer I stay awake, man, you, at the end of the day, we all feel pretty grimy and tired, and, and you know, like a Wednesday night maybe you know but it's we're tired you know it's the end of the day it's 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 our 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 bodies are telling us it's to get ready soon for bed and stuff and so we're tired and throughout the day um we don't just get tired physically we get tired spiritually 
And I think that the, the, the tireder we become, the harder it is to, to, to um, really defend against the flesh, defend against the, the world, and defend against the enemy. There has to be time of cleansing and resting in the Lord and allowing Jesus to wash your feet and mine. And this is an everyday thing in the Christian life. And we have to learn to be experts of examining ourselves, you know, testing where we're at daily. And when we need to take a break and just say, Lord, wash me. And he does that really through, through his word. You know, Jesus, as, as we, we all know, is the word made flesh. That's what the Bible says about Jesus, that he is uh, the word made flesh. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.